You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab. And today, narrating will be Todd Fox. Yes, right. But before we get into our episode, we'll let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime. There you can find our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page, and one of us will get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, you can listen to us on Podbean. Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster, as well as those who are listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public Breaker, Pocket Cash, and Podchaser. If you like what you hear and you would like to be a Patreon member, you can do that by downloading Podbean and following the link we have on our Podbean uh, page, and you can select the uh, Patreon um, uh, button. And you can be a Patreon member, courtesy of Tri- Grinding True Crimes. Uh, listeners' discretion is advised. We do get into details that can be uh, graphic and not suitable for a certain audience. So listeners' discretion is advised. And once again, a quick reminder. This Sunday, October 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, we will be going live again. Uh, just to let you guys know, that will be 5 p.m. Pacific time, October 29th, exclusively only on Podbean. We will post uh, on our social media to remind you guys. That way you can save your calendar and mark your alarms. We apologize for the late start. Okay. I think that's pretty much everything. Now, Todd Fox, before we started, he told us that this is definitely going to be multiple parts to the story. So... In the great words of Samuel L. Jackson in the Jurassic Park movie, hang on to your butts. <laughs> We're going to listen to part one of Todd's story. I don't know what it is. He said this is a good one. So let's buckle up and hear what Todd Fox got to say. You got the floor, brother. Thank you, sir. Yeah, this one, this one's going to be a tough one in a lot of, um, lot of respects because it's going to deal with a lot of child abuse. Um, it's going to deal with... Um, you know, crimes against um, not only women, but crimes against kids as well. And it is a multi-part episode with the last episode going to be very, very gruesome, very um, detailed, probably one of the worst cases I've ever had to research. And it was told to me um, by someone that said, you know, usually they're pretty graphic with what they say. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to touch this case. If you want to research it, go for it. And my morbid curiosity, I got into it and I was blown away. So um, mm. this uh, 
some people have heard of this guy some people haven't um but i don't think he's he's overlooked when it comes to serial killers for the most part um so let's dive into it um tommy lynn sells is who we're going to talk about tommy lynn sells tommy lynn sells <clears throat> so like I said, we'll start off with a warning on this one, and then we'll just carry it through like I just did. So um, we'll get going on this one. And um, in part three, though, if you stick around for all three, um, part three is going to be sort of like it's going to I'm going to need listener feedback and also Matt and Gabby's true. Um, what, what's it called? How, however they feel about the episode of, you know, because it's going to be something where I, I like to get their take on the case. And just you our yours as well. So, All right. you sure you want mine? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to. You had no, to go no, there, huh? Oh, I give it. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Okay, so let's start out, shall we? Um, Tommy Lynn Sells was born with his twin sister, Tammy Jean, um, in 1964 to their mother, Nina. Nina. Yeah, you're going to have to remember Nina in this story. Okay. Um, Their father was never known to them, and Nina struggled to provide a good home for them. So um, as she struggled to, you know, support both twins, um, it it was tough for her. You know, she had to get a job. Um, Her mother would help with the kids here and there, but um, they lived at this time a little far apart, so it was hard for her um mother to assist um unfortunately 18 months into the twins birth um the daughter tammy uh contracted meningitis Ooh, yeah um tommy did as well but not to the severity of tammy um tammy would be hospitalized for a couple months um or i'm sorry a couple days and she would pass away in the hospital Yeah, so he lost his twin sister right off the bat. Um, Now, something to to debate, but if you ask a twin, they will say that no matter the age, they have a special bond, a special connection, and sometimes they have memories going way back to when, you know, some of us can only remember our first memories at five years old, maybe four years old, but he tends to remember his sister at 18 months and he's not the first one I've heard of a twin that have these really early memories. So that's interesting. My firstborn was not a twin and she had memories of being two years old. Yeah. See, that's, that's kind of weird, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But Don't that plays out a lot in, in life for whatever reason. So, um, so that's what happened there. Um, so it would it would it would trouble him moving on mm-hmm. and around the age of um three years old his mother you know she just said you know i can't handle him she's still grieving the loss of her her daughter and she decides to pawn him off on her sister oh yeah and her sister which is his aunt um he would state for the next two and a half years this would be the best time of his life. Mm. So we're talking about a man 30 some odd years later saying, 
this was the peak of my life. I was never happier than at this two year period from the ages of three to five and a half. Wow. Yeah. So that gives you a little retrospective of how his life is going to turn out. Um, how his brain functions. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing too, with, with everything that he went through with meningitis, meningitis sometimes at a young age can, can give you, I guess the type that he had or the effect it had on him. Doctors would say he sustained um, brain swelling, which is the, what is it called? It's the equivalent to a head injury. And Mm. outside of injuring animals, what usually do these serial killers have? Head injuries. Yes, correct. So there's one for the books right there. Yeah. Um, despite her, his mother, Nina, saying, hey, I can't take care of these kids. I don't want responsibility of more kids. The entire time that that her son, uh, Tommy, was with her sister, she was out there getting pregnant like it was going out of style and uh, having more kids. Wait a minute. So you've had this traumatic event and you can't even care for the one you have left. Mm-hmm. And you're out there having more? Correct. In someone's perfect world, that makes sense. Yes, it does, but not ours. <laughs> so, um, Tommy, his aunt really had a fondness for him and treated him better than his mother ever did. So he began to get really attached to his aunt and to the effect that his aunt wanted to actually file paperwork and legally adopt him. But it seemed before this fairy tale could take place, uh, his mom, Nina, came back into the uh, <clears throat> to the picture and mm-hmm. decided, no, you're not going to stay with your aunt and fought and got custody back of little Tommy. Wow. Well, that's not fair. It's not at all, right? And he was just starting kindergarten or about halfway through kindergarten and doing really good before his mom came back in the picture, took him home to a trailer with two new children and siblings and a uh, live-in on and off uh, live-in on and off boyfriend. Mm. So, not the uh, the best situation for poor Tommy. And and here's the other thing: Tommy didn't even have a bedroom. It was a two-bedroom uh, uh, trailer. And he slept in the front room with the animals and the kids had one room and his mom and uh, boyfriend had the other. Yeah. Why on earth did he go pick him up to begin with? (sighs) Damned if I know right now. Maybe she just had a feeling of, oh, I'm I'm a mother. I still have another kid out there and went and got him. Mm, Maybe jealousy. Could be. I mean, let's be real, though. (laughs) If you had a genuine feeling of, oh, my God, like it's time to care for my child, you know, like I went through a difficult time or whatever, like I miss my son. If that was the case, you would have a place for your son. You wouldn't treat him like another pet. Correct. You would even give up your room to make sure that child has a place to stay. Yep. You would make the necessary sacrifices, right? Yeah. Not this lady. And, um, (laughs) Here's the other thing. Mother of the Year award right here goes to Nina because she never watched this kid. She treated mm. him like she didn't want him. So again, like you guys said, why did she even take him? Because he was left to do whatever he wanted to. 
at the ages of six and seven and there was no hey the you know back in our day when when uh back in our day when when the <laughs> lights were out you come home it's like the lights oh, yeah. were out eh? where where's tommy oh huh? well yeah <laughs> he's all right so he was like the matilda movie he had a fend for himself sort of yeah he was on his own doing his own thing mm. wow yeah so here's where you know his grandma and grandpa would actually move to a trailer adjacent and then they would eventually get one big trailer together so when they finally got one big trailer together um the grandpa had a stash of alcohol that he would leave in his tractor outside and Mm -hmm. tommy found it and he would start drinking at the age of seven dang yo i know his life was on fire you mean his uh kidneys all the above or liver i mean sorry all the above yeah so at seven he started to drink and again being left outside a tipsy little seven-year-old he ran into the worst possible person he could possibly run into outside of a murderer he ran into a man named willis clark who was a known pedophile oh yeah so at seven this guy started to groom tommy with gifts money cigarettes and alcohol Mm. and uh, Tommy would fall prey to Willis Clark and Tommy would start molesting or or Willis Clark would start molesting Tommy it happens yeah I mean that that, it happens when you're not watching your kid number one number two Um, a known pedophile at this time you know he should have been you know, on the police radar, but this is early 70s, so this is way back. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That sucks, man. So at this point, again, we're feeling pretty bad for Tommy at this point. Nothing's gone wrong in his life, and he's just getting crapped on left and right. Nothing's gone right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That my bad. Everything's gone wrong. Yeah, I was about to say, like, everything's going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're all, what are you reading? <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, here's where mother of the year kicks in again. Mm. Eventually a few months go by, you know, Tommy doesn't know love from a fatherly figure, you know, you know, but so he knows there's something weird about the love or the stuff that he's having to endure. Cause come on, he's Mm -hmm. that little, I mean, they don't know really, you know, it takes him a while. So he's clearly the victim right here. But the mother knows that he's spending time with Willis Clark. She's seen him go into his trailer as well. And she does oh. nothing about it. She even allows him to spend the night multiple times. Oh, heck Wait no. a minute. And the neighbors in the neighborhood know that he's a well-known fellow. Yeah, he's got, he's got a reputation at this point. Mother of the Year award goes to Nina, hands down. Yep. And we mean that, obviously, in sarcasm. So by the time of eight years old, he's throwing things. He's getting very violent around the house. She kicks him out. What? What? Why even take him back? Yep. And he comes back and forth. How else is he supposed to be behaving? 
Say again. I'm saying, how else is he supposed to be behaving? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's now he's got all these conflicting emotions and thoughts and the way he's been touched. His psyche is so jacked up at this point. Mm-hmm. And we fast forward because he's in and out of the house to now he's living full time before his 10th birthday with Frank. Mm. So it's like Frank, uh, Frank freaking groomed this kid and he's like literally got him under his household. He's doing God knows what got and we don't want to know exactly but he's living with him and in complete control of a kid all of that that's what she went to get her kid for yep Mm. and so it's this time where oh go ahead sorry no i'm saying i already hate that woman yeah she's she's not she's not great at all and he starts smoking marijuana at 10 years old um the oh time God. that Tommy is around and at school, he's he's um, he's in and out of school, basically. He's about to quit in a little while because he has violent mood swings. He, he lashes out at people. Um, even his, uh, what did he call it, uh, his grandma and grandpa. Here's, here's the thing that happens when he's about 10 and a half years old. He comes home one night from Frank's house and he climbs into bed with his grandma who's sleeping the grandpa's not come to bed yet but he the problem is that might be innocent and all but he climbs into bed with his grandma butt naked oh wow yeah Mm. so that freaks everybody out she's yelling at him the boyfriend's yelling at him the grandpa's like what are you doing but at this point this kid is so messed up in the head he doesn't know what's up from down you know like he's He has no idea. Maybe this is his way. He thinks love is given be- because he's been sexually abused by Frank for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like maybe so. in his mind, that's the norm. That's how you go to bed because this disgusting purple probably does that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this stuff is all collaborated later on. Um, but they kicked him out again. And um, it's a few months later. And, uh, you know, he's, he's living on and off with Frank and, uh, it's, you now fast forward 13. So, so there's a little gray area right here where not, we don't know too much that happens, but we just know he's back and forth from Frank's house to his mom's house. You know, he's not in school. He's goofing around, not doing anything productive and it's coming up to almost 1978 right here where his birthday is where he's gonna be about 14 so he's only 13 getting close to his 14th birthday and frank and him get into an argument they're not getting along um frank is being abusive as far as physically to him and he's starting Mm -hmm. to realize that they don't have a normal relationship he's seeing uh, you know a few of his friends with girlfriends and he's over there getting touched by this maniac and this loser and he's realizing that there's something wrong and he's you know he's fine it's finally kicking in and then he decides to leave after they get into a physical altercation he -hmm. comes home crying because he's you know he's he's finally going to be able to maybe release some emotions talk to his mom talk to his grandma whatever and according to him they up and moved and they didn't even tell him where he went where they went so they just straight up left him with that guy yeah they abandoned him wow 
So knowing what he knows, he's officially homeless because he's not going back with Frank. I feel bad for the kid. Mm-hmm. Now, we are going to learn that this guy can survive on his own. <clears throat> and he will con- survive on his own. And he will travel. I mean, he will literally see in the next 20 to 25 years the entire United States at some point because he rides the rails, he hitchhikes, he does whatever he can to live a nomadic lifestyle. So he's going to be called the cross-country killer for a reason. Yeah. So this would kick off his, his, his nomadic lifestyle. They're they're in Missouri at this point. I forgot to mention that. They're in Missouri. And he would Mm. come back to Missouri quite often in the future. But for right now, he's going to take off. So, like I said, he would hitchhike anywhere from uh, the nation's capital to the Grand Canyon, to New York, to Niagara Falls, Texas. It was all over the place. California? California as well. Yeah, he he made it to every state just about. So his whole lifestyle now was to feed his alcohol and drug addiction because he got really, he got really addicted to weed. And at the time, you know, they'll tell you back in the day, Hey, weed is a gateway drug. It'll get you into other stuff. And it would over the years, he'll get into cocaine and later on he'll get into LSD as well as heroin. But for right now, he's strictly on weed and drinking a lot of alcohol. Okay. I mean, I that's typical, right, of people who get abused. Mm-hmm. Like, you're trying to numb the pain. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that's a huge side effect of what they have to go through psychologically. So, he's now 15 years old, and um, he's in... He's, in another part of it, Missouri. And there was a woman that made a comment about the clothes that he was wearing. Mm-hmm. And he had a gun that he stole from somebody's house. Cause at this point to get by, he's got no job. So he's robbing from wherever he can. So if it's pickpocketing, if it's breaking into homes, stealing from cars, that's what he's doing at this point to feed his habits. And the woman, all she did was to make a, you know, an observation on the way he was wearing his clothes or the way he looked and he beat her over the, the head with a, a gun and ran did not get charged for this but that was his first um, like physical altercation with a woman and mm-hmm. he it gave him a sexual and a emotional high oh, oh no. lord yeah so do you, do you think that by him beating up on this woman, it was kind of a relief of him, like the trauma his mom put him through. Quite possibly, but in this next case, it'll answer your question with Frank. So he's now traveled down to Mississippi, close to his fifteen, or a little bit after this. You know, he's still mm-hmm. fifteen at the point at this point. Now, there is a case that that was close to this this is coming from tommy but he says this according to him they couldn't exactly find the boy that went with the case 
But according to Tommy Lynn Sells, he was in Mississippi where he claimed he was looking to rob a, a house in this neighborhood. Now, when he was peeping in one of the rooms, he saw a man performing oral sex on a young boy. According oh. to Tommy, he got pissed off and projected himself as the boy and the man as Frank. And he broke into the house and murdered the man with a butcher knife. I can't get mad at him for this one. I'm I mean, sorry. I'm not condoning violence. <laughs> but I can understand why he did what he did because of the trauma. That's what I will say. Yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah, I understand the trauma brought back. Obviously, he was like pretty much reliving it, right? Mm -hmm. I totally get how that would make him feel. But I'm saying whether you went through something or not, if you're watching this, you better do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, so th th that case is still, like, being questioned because they haven't found one in Mississippi that matched it. Or, But they do say that because of what happened with the hurricanes and they've had flooding over the years, that maybe there was, because there was a lot of cases that got washed away. You know, it could have been one of those. They don't know. But mm -hmm. uh, Tommy is one that some people think he lies, but he has so many um, stuff that in these murder cases that you don't, that we'll talk about later that only the murderer would know. And the way that he acts and talks, as we'll hear from him, I'll have some audio in the next episode mm -hmm. that you're going to be like, this dude is real, you know, but that one's unconfirmed to this point. But, okay. um, we do have the first one that is fully confirmed. Um, it happened July 5th of 1979 in Port Gibson, Mississippi. Um, while looking for a, a house to rob once again and, or to find a beer, he broke into a house of John Cade, 39, and um, and his wife Kathleen, who were fast asleep in bed. Um, as he got into the uh, room, he was not expecting them to be there for whatever reason. And the man, once again, uh, he heard him trip over something. He got up real quick, like sort of like the undertaker would like sat up and he looks over at him. And for some reason in Tommy's head, the man looked like Frank and he pulled the gun and fired twice into the dude's chest. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, then he, Tommy just freaked out and ran. And as he ran out of the house, um, the man would get up, John, and start to get to the bathroom where he would stumble over. Kathy would try to um, catch him, but he fell to the floor and he pretty much bled out right there um, before the fire and ambulance could come and help him out. Mm. So he was murdered right there. Um, he would go over outside, he said, and he had like a tent outside of town and was reliving the murder over and over in his head. He was liking it. He said it was like chasing a high. Oh, so that was becoming his drug now. Yeah. Yeah, he was into that. So, um, and then so, so by 1980, you know, the 80s are a crime. You know, we've talked so many cases of that in the 80s where just there was this time period of either hitchhiking from the 70s to 80s 
to where there wasn't the DNA yet. There was all these unsolved murders. There's all these people being kidnapped, raped and mutilated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had guys like Richard Ramirez getting started in Los Angeles. He had so many serial killers getting started. And, um, you know, Tommy was no different. And so he would make his way in 1980 to Los Angeles. And in a fit of rage outside of a Chinese restaurant over something that Tommy said he didn't even remember what the argument was about, he killed a man in his early 20s with an ice pick, stabbed him uh, four times in the neck. Ooh. Yeah. And because this was the 1980s and the the start of the crack epidemic, Mm -hmm. this case would go unsolved until Tommy would confess about it years later. Mm. Ouch. I'm thinking like when people get stabbed, obviously with a knife, it must be so painful. I don't know why. I've always had this idea that an ice pick would be worse. Probably. Yeah, because that sucker can go real deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, real deep and probably cut fast because I know mob mob hits, they would use ice picks a lot. Ice picks, yeah. I mean, just the puncturing holes all over you. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And unfortunately, those don't break. Like sometimes like a knife will break off in somebody, you know, and yeah. then, you're, you're, then you don't have a weapon to use. But ice picks will stay together. And you just pull it out real quick and stab again, stab again. So... Dang, in the neck too. That's a Yeah. So um, at some point, Tommy found out that his family was somewhere outside of St. Louis and uh, he wanted to go back. And at some point, going back was a good thing. Um, He's like 16, 17 years old at this time. He gets back there. Uh, For some reason, the family was there with open arms. Um, he's good with his half brother or sister and he's, you know, uh, he gets a job and he's doing really good. And then all of a sudden, which they should have stayed there. He's trying to be on a straight and narrow, stay off of drugs. Um, the family just decides, Hey, we're all going to Arkansas. And <laughs> they moved down to Arkansas. His family. Yeah, his entire family. So he rolls with them to Arkansas. What? But what? Yeah, the entire family was doing great. Tommy comes back. Everyone's established. And then out of nowhere, I don't have the specifics, but the family just up and says, okay, we're going to Arkansas. (laughs) They go down to Arkansas. Hey, it happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just in shock still about the fact that he reconnects with his family. Mm-hmm. After the way he was treated and abandoned and left to be abused. Yeah, it's like everyone's like, all right, you know, like like they just <laughs> turn the page, like nothing ever happened. Wow. It happens. I couldn't. I could never do that. Yep. So the one thing they wanted him to do, too, when he went down to Arkansas, now he's off of drugs, mind you. Mm-hmm. But the kid's been drinking since seven. And mm-hmm. once you're an alcoholic, it's very hard to get off of that and go cold turkey. Mm-hmm. And he's not 20 yet. You know, this and that. He's again, he's been drinking illegally for some time. 
Mm-hmm. And they they say you need to go back to school. And mind you, he's missed how many grades? Junior high I means he's missed so much right now. This kid's got like you know Tommy's got like a second grade level. You know, as far as like that's the highest he went. Mm-hmm. So he's got to catch up big time. And Tommy's like, A, I'm not stopping drinking. And B, I'm not going back to school. Like, I'm working now. Why should I go back to school? And <sighs> mm. he, Tommy would get into drunken bouts with his mom and say, you know what? It's all your fault I don't go to school. You're the one that left me around with that sexual predator, Frank. And, you know, there's like some heated arguments where it got physical, too. I mean, he wasn't wrong. I mean, exactly. I mean, I can't, I can't get mad at him at this point. Except for the murder. Yep. And um, Tommy is showing, you know, he's he's got love for women, but in his own way. He's terrible keeping relationships. I mean, at this time, Tommy is a, they say he was a bit of a looker back then, despite the way he dressed. But he had, like, really, really, for some reason, good charisma. And women were attracted to him, the way he talked, the way he conducted himself, I guess. Mm-hmm. And... um it was by multiple resources. Uh, he had plenty of girlfriends, but they wouldn't last long. He would cheat on just about every one of them. He mm. would display abusive or um, was it controlling behavior to where mm. if he wasn't cheating on them, he was pushing them away. Uh, I mean, at this point, like I said, I I, I kind of understand. Like I, I mean, I'm not saying. He's the perfect, you know, person, but I kind of understand where all this trauma is coming from. Like, obviously, it's jacked up. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Because technically, the relationship between your mother and you as a man, or you and your sisters, but especially the mother, that's going to pretty much pave the way on how your relationship with females is going to be for the rest of your life. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you already had these feelings toward your mom, you, I mean, deep inside, I'm sure he hates her. Yeah. She was never really there for him. You know, she left him because it was too hard when he lost his sister. And then she goes back to take him only to put him into this really terrible life and then abandons him again. This guy, his perception on, on, on his relationship with females is horrible. Mm-hmm. So how else is he going to be? I mean, mm-hmm. he's not going to be a good husband out of his mother treating him like crap. Yeah. Agreed. And, and no matter what, like, we don't know what he saw while he was when he was on the road. So this kid is just messed up at this time, plus the two murders. Yeah. So. He's fighting some demons. Yeah, he's ruined at this point. There's no going back. Um. Unfortunately, nobody stops him because in May of 1981, they're still all living together, on and off fights. Um, his mom is getting ready for work. And when you get ready for work, you're going to shower and everything because it's evening time. She works overnight. All of a sudden, can you guess what Tommy does? Oh, my God. He jumps into the shower with her naked. Matt? I'm going to say he's go, he does that. He jumps in the shower with her naked, probably rapes her, and then kills her. Mm, you were 
half right, Matt, but Gabby was right. He jumped in there naked, tried to force himself on her, where she, like, beat him off of her. And, you know, obviously siblings had to get involved. And it was very awkward, very weird for many, many reasons. Um, But she decided not to file a police report because she figured in her head, this is my doing from letting him be betrayed by Frank. Uh, I guess. Look, she ain't wrong. It's still disturbing and disgusting, though, Mm -hmm. that he would choose to want to force himself on his mother. I mean, he probably doesn't. But I guess, yeah, he don't look at her like his mother. mother, So that's what I'm saying. He hates her. Yes. And by this point, finally, and I mean finally, um, Frank would be arrested for molesting other kids and child pornography uh, being in his possession. So he would wind up going to jail for life after that. A little too late. But wait Wait a minute. Molesting kids. He was still doing it. How do you go from killing a man for watching him molest a boy to you molesting kids too? No, no, no. Frank is the one that was molesting. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm lost. My bad. bad. I think you 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 lost him. (laughs) I did lose it. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm going through some health issues. My brain is (laughs) okay. No I'll worries, try to no worries. Now, Frank, Frank was his his molester was finally <laughs> caught. Rumor. So. Right. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. A little too late, but at least he got his, his, his justice. Damn. Imagine all the kids he messed up. Oh, probably numerous ones. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was he had a long history of that and just nothing came about it until it was too late um, for a lot of kids. Um but because of what happened um, with Tommy, Nina would get him some psychiatric help. Which, so she didn't file a police report, but she sent him to a psychiatrist who um, Tommy would only make five visits to. Um, she would re- she would state in her um, in in her writings that in her report that basically his psyche was messed up. He was too proud and too ashamed of being molested by another man to admit it. And that he was going to harm others if he didn't get more help and uh, get off of drugs. But, um, all of that he refused and he went about his way in late 1981. So now she's trying to be a mom. Yep. Oh gosh. Too late. Damn women. And so, in 1981, Tommy got his first taste of hallucinogenic drugs, uh, mm. such as LSD, shrooms, that and shroom. also cocaine. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, let me tell you. But I've heard... <laughs> Jeez. I've heard stories. You don't want to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, at this time, of course... Um, you have church going innocent young blonde girls who love bad boys and Tommy had a hell of a mullet at this time and it's the eighties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he had his probably like a Van Halen shirt too. Or mm-hmm. AC DC. Mm-hmm. Um he would meet this girl in Arkansas who her dad was not happy that she was uh seeing Tommy. And uh 
Tommy got her pregnant right away. Well, he didn't waste no time. Exactly. That pull um, game is horrible. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the uh, the father was pissed because she didn't want you know she knew he knew Tommy was not a breadwinner, was not making no money, did not have a job, didn't have a future. He was a low life. And um, he said, look, I'm going to cut you off if you stay with him, you know, cut you off completely. You know, we've got money. I'm a I'm a I'm a preacher, you know, like <laughs> I drive a Mercedes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and basically, uh, she's like, all right. And so she left Tommy and uh, Tommy never saw his child or ever heard of the of what even he had with that girl. So. Mm. Being Tommy, he never tried? Nope. Wow. Wow. So um so on the morning, here we go again. Um he's now out of the house and moving on his own now again. He gave up on his family and he's back in the St. Louis area. Um it's April twenty seventh, nineteen eighty two. And uh, he's 18 years old. He's in St. Louis. A, f- a family member of Joanne Tate would come by her house. Uh, she was 35 years old, a mother with two daughters, ages four and seven. Um, let's see. Uh, when the family member came to check up on them, uh, she found her, uh, her. I think it might have been her cousin or her sister, face down in a pool of her own blood. Ooh. She had multiple stab wounds to her chest and back and her throat. It was done savagely, and she bled out all over the carpet. Dang. Ouch. Now, here's again, listener discretion is advised. Um, Her daughters, uh, Melissa was seven, and her half-sister, Renee, uh, was four, were found drenched in their blood, barely breathing. Renee, the four-year-old, had her throat slit and Melissa had deep stab wounds to her chest and defensive wounds on her fa- on her hands but somehow by God's willing they both survived wow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they had been sitting there for eight hours and they survived that they survived dang that's geez, that's good now <clears throat> the seven year old was sexually assaulted Oh, come on. I had a feeling about that. Yeah. Um, now, when police got there, they found a child's blue blanket that was around the seven-year-old, Melissa. And it had a pubic hair on it. Um, so the forensic scientist that were performed the microscopic hair analysis um, had, you know... That you know, checked out the 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 hair and matched it to someone that they had on file already in another case somehow, which his name was Rodney Lincoln. Now you would think Rodney Lincoln sounds like a black guy, but it's a white guy. You would think that. Yeah, he has you know that you know usually Rodney's a, a black guy's name, but no, it's a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this wasn't a race issue. I'm just throwing that out there because this you know they were. But but what they did, they did treat him like if he if he was black, in my opinion, because <laughs> the description um, sort of I think that they were going off of what the seven year old had described and also had drawn. 
And his hair, unfortunately, his defense attorneys were not good. The prosecution, um, had they gotten into the paperwork, the forensic scientists said that the hairs were similar, had similar characteristics, meaning it's not the similar? same. Yeah, really? Similar? Yes, similar. And, hey, that's Todd's word. <laughs> <laughs> but the they said that it was similar characteristics, and um, it wasn't a match. It wasn't a complete match. Mm-hmm. But the wow. prosecution told the the jury that it was a complete match. So mm. because of that, Mister Lincoln spent thirty years in prison. What? Dang. Yeah, he was wrongfully accused. Dang. So he was he was sent to jail in 1983 after his con- uh, conviction until 2013. It took his daughter, the Innocence Project, and a bunch of other legal attorneys going pro bono to finally get the DNA tested in 2010. It took three years to get his date in court, which he should have got an automatic date in court right when they figured out the it was bogus. Absolutely. But, but he was exonerated and the DNA actually matched Tommy Lynn cells. And that sucks because in jail, you know, when they find out you allegedly or or did, you know, have anything he to do with his child, it could have been bad for him. It probably was bad for him. And that sucks. He suffered all those years and something for do. something he didn't do. That sucks. Yeah, and, and it said that he sued the city of St. Louis um, and the state of Missouri for an uns- unspecified amount. I hope he got millions upon millions. Hey, 40 million. That's what I want. Broke it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks for him, dude. Um, so not I'm only would they tie this back to Tommy Lynn Sells, he would confess and give a detailed account of how he did it. Dang. Yeah. That is sad. Okay, now I don't take back my comment when I said, when I thought you were talking about Tommy, the fact that he jumps in to save a kid when he's going to do that to children himself. Yeah. That makes no sense. And, and And you'll get even mad at yourself for that comment later on because of what he says in an interview that I'll play. It makes zero sense. And the way that he talks about harming kids you'll get even more mm. pissed. Mm. And when are we going to hear that one? Uh, either part two or three, because I got audio for both. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so now let's move on to another one. Uh, on July 31st, 1983, mm-hmm. um, is the case of the Gill family, which when asked why he see uh he cased the family he really didn't have an explanation um other than he just wanted more money for drugs and alcohol he thought that they were good marks like they had a lot of money in the house so this one is tough too because he waited for the husband to go to work before he would attack and on the on that very evening the husband left and was still at work before he decided to enter the house now the Gill family, the daughter, was four years old, and she was playing with her mother, Colleen Gill, who was 33 years old, mm-hmm. and they were playing with some toys in the front room, the living room. Mm-hmm. 
He broke in through the back window, came in with a blunt object, and began striking both of them savagely to death. Just beat him both. And it's a bloody mess, and he's starting to rummage through the living room, her purse, and he's finding a few things and just loading his pockets with whatever he could steal, and then he hears crying from upstairs. Oh, no. Man. He did not know of another sibling, and the Gills had a one-year-old baby boy Mm. who began to cry. So Tommy then started to make his way upstairs. Don't say it. But here's a twist. Okay, cool. A good twist. Okay. As he starts to go come upstairs, he sees lights come through the window and shining through the uh, stairway area going upstairs mm. of a car pulling into the driveway. It's the husband. Mm. He's home early. Ooh. And Tommy freaks out and starts coming back down the stairs. As the husband starts to walk in, he sees Tommy exiting out the back door. Now, he gets a glimpse of what Tommy looked like before looking down at the floor and seeing his wife and his daughter beaten to death. That would have broke, broke me. He ran upstairs and to his, you know, relief, his baby boy was not harmed whatsoever. And all he could do is just call the police and sit down and cry as he's holding his boy. That's all he's got left now. Yeah, that would have broke me too. Oh, that's horrible. Mm. Yep. So, um, Tommy, the pussy that he is, you know, I hate to use that term, but, um, yeah, he saw a man, didn't want any part of it, and ran. And he probably would have beat the brakes off him. Probably. But, um, the police would get there and get a description. But, of course, initially, they waste time focusing on the husband, thinking that the husband did it. Yep. So Tommy's able to leave the area pretty easily because the cops are like, oh, it's just, you know, you just happened to catch the guy run out and you got a description of him. And it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, where's the murder weapon? You know, like Tommy took it with him. He didn't leave it there, you know, and there's just it sucked because no one else saw the guy leave the area. So initially the police were like, the husband did it. So. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, if you can't find anything else, automatically, of course, we already know that's what's going to happen. I know, but still. It's always the first suspect is the husband or the wife. Mm -hmm. It took him time because they had to check his work schedule and realize that he wasn't there when that happened. And then finally a neighbor would um, would come forward and say that she heard screaming from the house before he pulled up. She saw a car pull up, and it was not Tommy. It was the husband. So the cops put two and two together that, oh, he's not lying. Okay. Let's start mm. looking for the guy. How sad. Because, you know, the first 48 is the most crucial. Crucial. Yeah. Yep. That's got to be the worst. Like, you're already going through so much emotionally, and the fact that they're already pointing the finger at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. So, this guy is just, uh, he's terrible. 
And um, so Tommy is, you know, it, it, this didn't bother him. And he's still on the streets, you know, enjoying alcohol and drugs and having sex with random women. And he's just a terrible human being, if you want to call him that. And uh, in 1984, two things would happen. Uh, he, he got pregnant, a woman again. Oh, I was um, about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? You said he got pregnant. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I put that backwards. <laughs> he got a woman pregnant. I'm like, gotcha. wow. <laughs> Science was early back then. Oh, um, boy. We're not going to go that route. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Continue. Okay. Um, but as uh, he would not get pregnant, he would get a woman pregnant. Um, he got arrested for stealing a Mustang and was sentenced to two years in prison. Let me guess. He didn't serve one. Exactly. Oh, and had this happened today or anywhere within the last 15 years, you know, he gets busted on any kind of felony because they take your DNA, they compare it into CODIS, and if you pop up somewhere else, at some point he would have been arrested and that would have been it, and we would have found out, oh, this guy is a serial killer. But, um, but no, uh, he's released on good behavior, of course. Mm. So, and, um, he's paroled, and right away he comes out and he starts stealing stuff again and gets arrested again. Um, does three more months and then he found out that he had a daughter and that the woman didn't want anything to do with him and he never saw his daughter ever or tried to go see his daughter. So this is the second baby he has nothing to do with. Correct. So father of the year. Like mother, like son. I mean, what the heck does he want kids for anyway? He's a sicko. Yep, he sure is. So now he's... Back in the Springfield, Missouri area, um, he was now working for Forsyth Carnival. So he's a, he's a carny now in 1985. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, July 26th to be exact, 21-year-old Tommy Lynn Sells was in search for some easy prey. And unfortunately, he came upon some easy prey. Uh, despite the fact that he was a heavy drinker and he would indulge in heavy, moderate drugs, he kept his composure and his wit and charisma about him to somehow attract these females. Um, so using this to his advantage, he came up, he came up on a 28 year old Ina Corded and her four year old son, Rory Corded. Mm. Um, they struck up a conversation and after some free rides that Tommy gave to her and her son, uh, the carnival's winding down. Tommy said, Hey, um, this is 1985. Netflix isn't around, but can we watch a movie and chill? I see what you did there. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it works. Um, Tommy goes back to the house, unfortunately. Uh, Ina would put the four-year-old to bed. Uh, the two would have sex, and the night was working out just the way Tommy wanted it. You know, uh, He fell asleep, and now according to him, this part's according to him on what happened. The evidence, unfortunately, now the reason why he did it is up for debate, but the evidence collaborates what actually happened and what he said. So mm. 
here's what he said he said that he woke up at some point to use the restroom she was not in bed with him she was in the front room going through his backpack full of stuff now a druggie an alcoholic and, and a person on their own their backpack is their life like a nomad so he got offended because she was in her purse his personal space mm-hmm. that's according to him now it nowhere justifies what he goes on to do which is he goes to the son's room a baseball bat that the son has he took it and started to use it against her against Ina. Mm. he would bash her head in a few times and then he slit her throat mm. and again fast forward 15 seconds because if you don't want to hear this the child Mm-mm. the four-year-old came out to find out what the noise was and he would take the bat to the boy and he would slit the boy's throat come on yep and why nobody... gotta take it out on the child exactly this is this is one crazed monster i mean this is like one of the worst that i've ever talked about at least from in my opinion oh boy dang see that's what the scary part is you being a mom and out there trying to meet men come on yeah yeah bringing them to your home like your child fully depends on you what the heck is wrong with you i'm like, i'm not trying to say it's her fault this happened obviously it's not her fault that this guy is psychotic that's the risk you take but yeah you're taking a big risk you are definitely responsible for taking that giant risk and putting your child in the middle of that it definitely increases your chances of something bad happening absolutely that is so sad yeah unfortunately she paid the price and so did her son and that sucks man Yep, and all he could care about was his belongings in his backpack and a bit of cocaine that he had. So that's what they think it really was, that she was stealing his cocaine. Mm. Um, But later on, Tommy would say that he wanted to eventually murder them at some point anyway. So wow. He, well, that he story could have been not true. What's that? It could have been that that didn't happen then. He just wanted to kill them. Yes. Oh, this guy's bad news, boy. I don't feel sorry for him anymore. Those bodies would lay there three days before they were discovered. Oh, man. Dang. Mm -hmm. So, um, Tommy would then leave the St. Louis area uh, because of that. And he would go down to Texas where he would get in trouble for a myriad of offenses. I mean, he had a rap sheet in Texas, uh, a lot of batteries outside of clubs, like assault and battery, a lot of GTA stealing cars. Um, he was in and out of jail, um, for drug usage. Uh, he overdosed. Unfortunately, he didn't die. Um, so. Well, yeah, it's unfortunate. (laughs) What's that? No, I just said, you said, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's not often I'm like, hey, man, too bad this guy didn't die. But yes, I'm going to say it this time, too bad this guy didn't die. And you can hate us for it if you want to. Yeah, he should have died. It's unfortunate. Um, He had two 
really bad um, overdoses and he survived. He was really messed up in the hospital because of all the years of drugs and alcohol. When he would go to jail, he would have to go to the hospital in jail and be in a pretty bad state because of the, um, what is it called? The, uh, when you have the bad, um, when you're trying to heal yourself, um, what's that called from the drug over, uh, the drug, uh, the rehab, rehab? stints when you had the bad reactions. Oh, um, um, dang, I'm drawing a blank too. I'm trying, I didn't write it down either. That's my bad. Um, but he was just having the bad reactions from not drinking and, and, you know, doing drugs. Not relapse. Yeah. No, relapse is when you fall back in. Yeah, relapse when you fall back in, but, uh, dang, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. <laughs> Me probably too. Are screaming at as they're listening to it right now. Like, hey, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All of us went blank right now. Yeah, I sure did. And that's bothering me too. I should look look that up, but yeah, we'll just move on. Um, <laughs> so he up. he actually would get in and out of, like I said, from eighty four to eighty seven. He was in a bad way in Texas, but he would make his way east now to New York. Withdrawal. Say what? Withdrawals. There you go. Withdrawals. He had very bad withdrawals. There you go. There Thank you. Go. you. Um, so May 1st of 1987, um, he would be in New York. Um, Suzanne Quartz, 27, disappeared after leaving a nightclub alone. Her body was found on September 5th, 1995. Dang. Yeah. Her body was found at the embankment of Niagara Falls, two miles away from the nightclub where she, um, disappeared her body obviously was decomposed they did not find a cause of death but in 2004 tommy lynn sells would confess that he murdered a woman in the area at the time and his presence in the city was confirmed and he was even able to identify the crime scene and her picture out of a lineup since he was already sentenced at the time he was not prosecute for the prosecuted for this murder but it is attributed to one of his murders Man. So, I mean, this that's why police, too, had a hard time catching this dude, because he's all over the place. Yeah. So, he, he, what, the body count is like, I think I got six, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. They have the son and the mom. He killed that one guy and shot him in the chest. He um, murdered the uh, daughter and the mother, and the husband came in. It's eight that's right five. now. Is eight? Okay, I'm at eight. Okay. So, let's move on to another one. Um, You ain't done yet. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're almost done with this episode. No, I'm saying, like, that's what I'm saying. With just the first part, he's about to be at nine. Yeah, about to be at nine. Man. So, that moves us on to October 15th, 1987 in Locke, Nevada. Stephanie Kelly, uh, age of 21, uh, was at a four-way cafe truck stop in Wells, Nevada um, at the time. Uh, Tommy Lynn Sells would pick her up as she was looking to hitchhike. Um, he offered her LSD, and he drove her out to a secluded area where he would strangle her, desecrate her body sexually, and mutilating her body. Uh, he 
covered her with some concrete, um, wet concrete, oh, but whatever oh, that wow. was left of her body, and wrapped her in a bag and threw her into a hot spring. <gasps> her body was never found, and she was listed uh, missing by her family in the vicinity of that disappearance. Um, this case would take a long time to uh, to uh, be well attributed to him, but he would give again details to where it made sense and he was there was no real newspaper reports to where he could just you know take that from the newspaper and use it so mm. that sounds like a mob hit that was you know, right yeah like dang wet cement bagged him up threw her in a hot spring never see the body again that yes mm-hmm. Jesus. so he, he was gonna make sure she was never seen oh Absolutely. Um, so this next case uh, that we're going to that that took place is actually one that we're gonna skip. We're gonna put a pin in this one and save this one actually for part three. Um, that one's gonna be the debate case. That okay. I gotta get your thoughts, and hopefully the listeners can chime in on social media or email us on your thoughts about this case because this one's highly. Um, highly, uh, what's that called? Controversial. A lot of people online day. think he did it. A lot of people don't. Mm. And it, 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 my my bet's on. I ain't heard it yet, but I'm gonna say he did it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give you a good argument for both sides. Ah. All right. Yeah, and I want you. I want your idea when when we get to that part because, again, this is one that's like, it's it's really um talked about a lot. And it to me, it's like if it's not him, then there's someone as dark as him out there, which is even scarier. Oi. Yeah. Because that one by far is the worst that he committed. I mean, you can maybe argue that too, but when you hear the details on this one, I mean it gave me nightmares for two nights when I was when I was researching it. It it I know. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, just thinking about it, it, my brain was recreating or what it may have looked like. And I had to literally keep myself up to stop dreaming about it. So. Mm. And if you when, when when you do tell us when we get to part three, you might give us nightmares as well as the audience. I'm sorry in advance. Because. <laughs> <laughs> There's details in that one where I'm going to get pretty descriptive and you might try to picture it in your head and it's not a good place to be. Uh, is that dark? It is. It's by far the worst one I've researched. Oh, no. I am dreading that day, but you know what? That's what our show's about. So giving the details. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's, that's going to be for our next episode. Now to wrap up Episode one. You of can't Tommy leave us on a you, you can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> you know he's gonna I, do for that. For some reason, I said, "What's he gonna say?" This is the end of part one. Just... <laughs> you know he's gonna do that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew he was gonna do that, Todd. But I, I was expecting it. I was expecting it. I was expecting because you did say three parter. So. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of part one. All I'll say is for part two, we got some audio that you'll hear. 
And it's uh, yeah, you're gonna form your own opinion right there on him, and then uh, we'll we'll get into the rest of his case and uh, talk about how he was caught and then what happened to him, and then we'll talk about the legacy in part three and also that case that's gonna be very very um, listener discretion advised to say the least. Wow. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is part one. Todd threw us for a cliffhanger right now, <laughs> but he broke down the next two episodes. So if you want to continue on and listen uh, and hear what happens next, you know where to find us and you know who this is. This is a Grindy True Crime Podcast. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, but um, we're going to end it here. We're going to um, finish this off. We'll continue for the next part. We thank you, Todd, for that that story so far. And for the audience for listening in, uh, we'll let you guys know where you can find us real quick. Uh, go to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast, and you can find us there. Subscribe to our page and leave a comment and chime in. We appreciate when the audience chimes in. You can listen to us on your podcast stream. Just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster, as well as Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser for those outside of the U.S. Once again, this was part one. Tune in the next episode to listen to part two. This has been the Granny True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd the Fox. And we are out of here. Toodles. What was that? <laughs> that threw me off. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>